0: While in the midst of a crisis like the COVID-19 pandemic, I believe there's an excellent opportunity to challenge old norms and to create an environment for new ideas, innovations, and technologies to take flight. One area ripe for new thinking and innovation is the age-old topic of indoor air quality. During today's episode, we are joined by a national thought leader and business executive who has been leading the charge on the importance of addressing indoor air quality for more than a decade. Harry Pliskin is the president of ATRIO, an industry-leading organization that designs and installs pneumatic transport solutions in highly complex environments of all sizes and geographical locations. While together, Harry shares with us how his clients are adjusting to the realities and needs the pandemic has created, and how he is leading the charge in reimagining designs and solutions for indoor air quality well after this pandemic is behind us. Join us for this meaningful and encouraging conversation about the importance of indoor air quality during the coronavirus outbreak and beyond. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Buscelli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Harry, thank you so much for spending time with us on the podcast today.
1: Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, given the unprecedented times that we are in with the coronavirus pandemic, From being asked to socially distance and refrain from gathering, especially in indoor settings, I'm eager for our community to learn from you what the current and future state of indoor air quality means for us as we navigate the effects of the virus and plan beyond the outbreak. But before we dive into your work and your team that you're leading with hundreds of clients to design and implement science-based, cost-effective infection prevention and indoor air quality solutions, a bit of housekeeping... While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to visit PassionatePioneers.com in order to share your feedback and ideas. Simply scroll to the comments section at the bottom of each posted episode. And lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, Harry, before we dive into all of that work we kind of set the stage with on the front end of here. Can you give us a little background? You've been leading a trio now for over 15 years. Give us a little bit of that history lesson, and then we're going to really focus in on today all things coronavirus.
1: Okay, great. Thanks, Mike. So Atrio has been around for about 20 years, and we focus on healthcare primarily, but we've now moved into other verticals. And our entire mission really is to help folks working in whatever industry they're in have a safer, cleaner place to work. And we've been doing that for a long time. Obviously, COVID has highlighted the need for this in a much, much bigger way. And so we've, over the last couple of decades, have really grown into people who understand pretty deeply the different parts of a hospital, for example, that are impacted by indoor air quality. And it's been an issue that we've been talking about for a long time, but has not always been at the top of the agenda in healthcare. They've focused more on site infections, like surgical site infections, things like that. But the environment of care, the built environment is very, very important. And I think that's what COVID really has highlighted.
0: And I'm looking forward to diving into that for sure, Harry, lots to unpack there but I still want to go back. You know, obviously you've been leading the company now for quite some time. How does one get into being an executive within the air quality industry?
1: Yeah, well, I'm trained as a a lawyer in economics, but I got into this with my business partner. We ended up buying a company that provided big pneumatic tubes that removed waste and soiled linen from hospitals mostly. As a result of that, we would sell those systems based in large part on keeping the air clean because what comes off all this dirty stuff that we suck out of the hospital impacts the air. And so we got involved in learning about indoor air quality. So I got into this because of a company that we bought that provided a system and that has turned into a company that provides really consulting and thought leadership On indoor air quality. And I've used my background in law and economics, obviously, to help move things along here.
0: And in regards to kind of clients, and you've worked with hundreds of different clients, can you give our community a bit of perspective of who those are?
1: Yeah, so we've worked, we have a list of hundreds of healthcare organizations we worked with. Some of the better known healthcare organizations like Stanford University, Penn Medicine, Mayo Clinic, MD Anderson, and then a whole bunch of other networks like HCA, Trinity, some of the leaders in the industry.
0: Yeah, definitely some familiar names. Actually, one of those in there is my alma mater. I was fortunate to play football and study at Stanford way back in the leather helmet days. Harry, that was a long time ago. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> Thank you for sharing that background and really teeing us up. And I'm looking forward to discussing how we plan for the near and long term regarding indoor settings for our personal and professional lives after we get back from thanking our community champion sponsor. As the scope and complexity of revenue cycle management grows, especially during these unprecedented times, Ensemble is leading the industry in revenue cycle management performance, ensuring their partners rank among the top performing health systems in the country. On average, Ensemble is improving their clients' cash collections by four to six percent, lowering unbilled days to less than three, and their clients' first pass denial rate is now four and a half percent. Better than Healthcare Financial Management Association's industry best practice. Ensemble's work in lifting revenue cycle performance helps providers buy new, durable medical equipment, hire more physicians, and expand their facilities. Ensemble is proud to be helping the flagships of American healthcare to better support the communities they serve. And speaking of community, we are incredibly grateful for Ensemble's support and community champion sponsorship of Passionate Pioneers. To learn more about Ensemble and the passionate mission they are on, head over to EnsembleHP.com or visit the episode notes and click on their link. All right, we're back with Harry Pliskin, and looking forward to diving into so much around indoor air quality, the importance of it, especially during this time with the pandemic. So Harry, you've been leading the charge on the importance of addressing indoor air quality for more than a decade now, as you mentioned, closing in on 20 years. This, of course, is now more important than ever with the COVID-19 virus. Can you discuss some of the importance of the work happening today with this pandemic? Again, you've had a long history and story career behind you, and then the world turned upside down in 2020. Can you share with us what's happening current state with Atrio? What are your customers experiencing? What are they asking for? Maybe level set with us, where things stand, state of the union for you, the industry, and what we should be thinking about. And we'll dive into future state as well.
1: Yeah. So I think what people are dealing with more than anything at this point is just an unbelievable amount of information coming at them in reaction to coronavirus. And it's all happening in a very condensed period of time. And it's overwhelming to them. And they're now in a position where they have to feel like they have to learn about science, you know, operations, behavior, all of these things, regulations that are changing every day, all at once. So people are really drinking from the fire hose and it's overwhelming to them. And in part, I think that's because people are unprepared for this, but it's not most people's core competency to react to a situation like this. And lots of times they're, the built environment, the facilities, just not prepared to handle this. And it manifests itself differently in healthcare and in other industries. Most industries are dealing with the problem of losing their customers and having them not show up. And they need to address the indoor air quality issue or the indoor environmental quality issue in order to get people back in. Hospitals are in a very different position. They're overwhelmed with customers and patients. And they are there to treat the patients, but they have to now really focus like a laser on making sure it's a safe place. So, you know, both are overwhelmed by information and both are reacting to it. One, because they need customers, one, because they have too many.
0: And also, we're living a bit in a misinformation age, you know, whether you want to call it out or not, I'm going to, Mm -hmm. Uh, but we're living in a little bit of this misinformation age. And so what does that mean in regards to kind of that quote unquote source of truth, right? You're 100% spot on, Harry. You know, a lot of us are being told, stay at home, stay out of restaurants, stay out of the built environment, and I get it. But are there some myths out there that need to be cleared up? What's that look like out in the marketplace?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, when I say people are overwhelmed by information, it's coming from a number of places, right? You have the news media relaying information in a very simplistic way often, right? You have regulators saying, here are all the things you are required or need to do or should be doing. And then you have vendors who are showing up and they see a very big opportunity and there is a very big opportunity explaining how their product or service can solve all things COVID. And there's nothing out there that solves all things COVID. And so people are in a position where, well, it is misinformation because people aren't going to go in and challenge the assumptions and the science behind what vendors of very sophisticated instruments and tools are telling them. So they think of the vendor as the expert, but there are a whole bunch of assumptions embedded in that presentation that vendors give to their potential customers. And it's difficult to kind of get through all of that. Frankly, that's what we spend most of our time doing is helping people take that huge amount of information and distilling it down into what's relevant. When you find out what's relevant, you are in a better position to invest in solutions that are cost-effective. They work and you haven't spent too much money on it.
0: And how are you and Atrio really instilling confidence back into society, right? I mean, it's a scary time. And maybe, again, maybe it is, we're continuing to hit that pause button and that's okay. But, you know, here we are at the back end of 2020, We see a vaccine on the horizon, you know, a lot of confidence around that. The efficacy of those have just been tremendously high. But what is Atrio doing? What are you doing with your partners, your clients, your customers to really help instill some confidence back into society? Yeah,
1: so we help them, again, deal with all that information, but then we do it in a very standardized, organized way based on science and PhDs who look at products and services and validate their effectiveness. And that gives people a lot of confidence, but it also highlights, this is an issue far beyond COVID, right? Because right now people have to react to COVID and they have to get their house in order very quickly. We take all of that information that we've processed, all the learning we've done you know, over years and years, and are able to deliver that to our customers in a very efficient, clean, independent, objective way. And so we really help make that process of receiving and processing all this information easy.
0: And how does that translate into new products? Have you guys created new products around this, new technology to help battle the, the virus?
1: We have. I mean, we've had a platform that we've used for what I call specialized systems. So in healthcare, there are lots of Specialized systems that are not obvious that move material and drugs and blood samples around a hospital. And healthcare always spent a lot of money on these things, but they were never able to really measure the effectiveness. Well, the same thing now is true with indoor air quality. And so we help really position folks for what's been a problem, what will be a problem. And as a result of that, we have had to create some new tools. We've had to create a tool. A platform that can measure, monitor air throughout a building, report it, show it on a dashboard. So again, people are just getting the only the information they need when they need it, and who needs it, right? So you have to send the right information at the right time to the right people, and it can't be a lot of information; it has to just be the actionable information. So we've created a platform and a tool for that around the indoor environment. And then we have created a certification process and a verification process so that once you install, for example, tools that help improve the environment, indoor environment, that's not enough to just install it. You need to know that it's working every day. And so we have a tool that allows people to measure the effectiveness of what they've implemented on a day to day basis and to be able to get that information. And that's very reassuring to the public. It's very reassuring to people coming into a business or a hospital.
0: Well, that is fascinating. And and also I do want to look a little future state, right? As I mentioned earlier, here we are, we have a vaccine on the horizon. Hopefully we can get over the hump of this and really get back to some sense of normalcy. But I do want to set the stage kind of looking into future state. One of our mutual friends, he took the time to nominate you to be on the podcast, uh, Shepard Neville, who, used to really uh, be an advisor to our former governor, John Hickenlooper here in the state of Colorado, and uh, really helped him out with all things, uh, you know, policy and and around health. And what he said in regards to nominating you is that he believes that indoor air quality is kind of the new obesity and how we think about that. And so setting the stage, Harry, you know, one thing that I've seen over the past number of months with this pandemic, yes, it's been absolutely devastating on so many different levels, but as an entrepreneur, you know, as an innovator, I look at that as a huge opportunity. What are the phoenixes that are going to rise out of these ashes? What's going to be created anew? How is the world going to look differently? All right. There's some real world examples already in front of us. Telemedicine, look at the explosion around that. Look at how fast we got to approving vaccines. Well, you used to take 10 years. We did it in 10 months. I mean, just mind-blowing innovation. And so from Shepard's nomination for you to be on the podcast, and he talks about you know, from his expert point of view, that indoor air quality is a new obesity. What does he mean by that? What is the opportunity for us, you know, future state as we look to a new and we start reimagining health, we start reimagining this new way of living post-pandemic. What does all that mean?
1: Yeah, I think Shepard's right that, you know, this is a problem that in many ways, it's right in front of us, but it's very hard to see. And so indoor air quality, we spend 70 plus percent of our time indoors throughout our lifetime. And when you go indoors to a hospital or another business, school or a theater, there are two things that people have to be able to focus on. Number one is behavior and what's the behavioral protocol. That's now become a very big deal. We never used to think about which door you go in and which door you go out. You could use the same door. Now people are directed into, you know, different locations to go in and out of places. You have to wear a mask, social distancing, all that's behavioral stuff that we frankly never paid much attention to. Even though we had the flu and things like that, people really didn't pay attention to it like they did today. So behavioral protocols, one thing that people can pay attention to, and that will have some stickiness, I think. Number two, people can focus on infrastructure. And what have they done to their facility in order to create the safest environment possible? Again, something that people never really thought of and, but the indoor air has a huge impact on people's health. People get very tired. Sometimes i um, sitting in a classroom, for example, why not? Because they're bored, not only because they're bored, but because, you know, there's a lot of uh, carbon dioxide in there and it makes people tired. Well, that's an indoor air quality issue. The indoor air quality really has a huge impact on people's health, and COVID, again, has just highlighted what's in the air and that we are actually breathing it in, and it will impact you. So it's a very, very big wake-up call when it comes to the issue of indoor air quality, and people now are really going to focus on how am I behaving, how are our customers behaving, what are we requiring, and what have we done to our facilities. To create a healthier place, and I mean I haven 't heard a ton of discussion about that i 've talked about it for a long long time, particularly with in the healthcare world, but people were not walking around worrying about these things. The other thing that I think has changed along those lines is you know the question is well why? why is indoor air quality like obesity? Well, you have to look at some of the causes of the problem right, or just reactions so This country, you know, has a very strong, actually, environmentalist movement, which is great, but in the built environment, so talking about the infrastructure bucket right now, when people build today, a lot of the building and design is focused on energy conservation, which is very important. But one way you engage in energy conservation is by sealing a building as much as possible to make it energy efficient. Well, when you seal a building, you're making the issue of indoor air quality a lot more challenging. The issue can be solved, but you have to pay attention in a much deeper way in order to still maintain good indoor air quality and maintain energy efficiency. So I think what's happened now and what we'll see happen is that people are going to really focus on indoor air quality as part of the whole process of delivering a facility that people are going to come into and live in.
0: Are you excited about the future and the opportunity and the possibilities coming out of this pandemic with your, you know, story yes. career?
1: Yes. I'm very excited because I think like you said when there are big problems there are very big opportunities and there are opportunities not just in business but for people to like change their perspective and to be able to focus on the things that are very very important but not very obvious. And so going forward I think this will accelerate the implementation of things that really do impact people. Telemedicine is a great example. In 1996, I think it was, I was in Washington, D.C., and I sat on the FCC's subcommittee on telemedicine in 1996 after the passage of the telecom act. From 1996 until now, telemedicine has kind of been, I don't want to say stuck in neutral, but just creeping along. I'll say it. Because of there are tons of regulations that have no purpose other than to maintain, you know, price floors and to really dampen competition, right? And so you have an emergency and boom, states start relaxing all these regulations. So now you can do telemedicine. It's not just solving a rural issue, it's solving healthcare issue broadly. And I think indoor air quality, the same thing is going to happen. When I would go talk to people for years, I would go in and talk about how what's in the air is really, you have to pay attention to it. It's very unhealthy when you have like dirty linen in a hall. There are things that come off of that, right? And you have to be able to clean your air. And infection prevention officers who are great, they just didn't have the time and resources to focus on, you know, what's called the environment of care. Like, how do we solve that problem? They would tell me, they say, I'm focused on surgical site infections and catheterizations and over prescription of antibiotics, those interventionist things that cause what they call hospital acquired, hospital associated infections. But the environment of care is not as sexy, but it's actually more complex because it's hard to tell. You don't see air moving into you, right? (laughs) So, and you don't know where it's coming from and cause and effect is very difficult. And I see that changing in a big way. Cause now people are very focused on, we have to keep the air clean. And again, they're focused on people's behaviors. Are you wearing your mask, keeping your distance? And I think most importantly, they're focused on infrastructure. So when you build a building and you have like a supply of air coming in to a room and a return where the air goes out, You can go into many buildings and see that the supply and the return are installed, you know, two feet from each other on the ceiling. So air comes in immediately goes out. One of the most important things with indoor air quality, when you're talking about infrastructure and designing building is to be able to mix the air. Well, if you have air going in and then out and nothing kind of comes down into the room, you have no mixing. That's why people then now are in a position where they have to go out and spend money, and deal with all this information that's coming out of them in order to install some type of supplemental technology to address that issue. So going forward, what's going to happen when people build, when a general contractor or architect gets together and build, they're now going to have to pay attention to like simple things. It seems like supply and return and where they're located in a room. I mean, things like that, the people I think discounted a little bit really matter. They really matter. When ASHRAE and others come out with uh, guidelines that say you should have X number of air exchanges in a room, if you go back and look and try to understand where those numbers come from, there's science and people talk about evidence-based, you know, construction, evidence-based design all the time. But when you go read the evidence, it's a, a little loose, you know, it's a little loose. Well, it can't be loose anymore. I mean, now you have to, you know, it has an impact. So when you come up with a number, how many air exchanges should you have? It's got to be based on science. And so, you know, when we come in and we talk to folks, we hear we have uh, five air exchanges in this room, and we're using UV to do some terminal cleaning, and we have bipolar ionization in the ductwork. And I always think that's great. It all sounds great, and it's great technology. But is it working? And so what we try to talk to our clients about is, you have to not only install what works in bits and pieces. You have to install something that's integrated and that you know is working every day. Wow. And that I think has it has really put the focus on something that's been ignored. I think in large part, which is in the environment that you step into, whether it's a hospital or a restaurant.
0: Well, you know? yeah. Well, two things from that, and thank you for that, Harry. A very eye opening, and two things to really circle around on that. One. In regards to you being at the Capitol in 96 around telemedicine, one of our former guests on the podcast, Ann Johnson, the CEO of the American Telemedicine Association and an avid listener of the podcast, I know she's going to be very excited to hear about your experience within the telemedicine space, and we do all agree that it was going at a snail's pace, and now here it was, you know, 2020 and just telemedicine, the genie came out of the bottle, it has exploded, and, and the effects have been so positive for so many Americans across the country. And then the second one, I couldn't agree with you more, Harry. There is great opportunity, not only now, but moving into the future. I firmly believe amid great chaos presents great opportunity. So thank you for sharing that. And now I want to turn a little bit towards you in regards to our community. We have some of the nation's leaders in the healthcare industry tuning in and rallying around our guests, just like yourself. Is there anything that we should be contemplating and thinking through or helping you with As you continue your journey in regards to improving our industry and indoor air quality?
1: Yeah, well, with respect to healthcare in particular, what's coming at people is what feels like a very complicated, complex problem. And it is. But, you know, the conversations I like to have with people, I hope, simplify that conversation, gives you more of a sense of control over your environment, and puts you in a position to make much better decisions because in our community, there's a lot of waste, not because of bad actions, but because people have a limited amount of time and a limited amount of resources. And they have a hundred times more information now to deal with. So yeah, I like having these conversations with leaders of organizations. I love working with our clients to really sit down. We, I think, are very good at internalizing people's causes and really trying to help them figure out how to do things and to do it in a kind of a timely fashion. So, yeah, I'd love to hear from people and I would love to continue the discussion. Sometimes, you know, like you said, sometimes the things are right in front of you, but you can't see it.
0: Well, let's empower that. How can we get a hold of you? Where are some touch points online or otherwise to get a hold of you and your team at Atrio?
1: Yeah. So, our website's uh, atrio, com, And you can see what we do there. And my email is Harry harry.pliskin, P-L-I-S-K-I-N, at atrio.com.
0: Excellent. We'll leave those touch points in the episode notes as well in your podcast player. Just simply scroll down, look for those touch points, and click on through. Additionally, we'll have them listed over on our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com. There will be a post in the episode section where you can also leave feedback, questions, ideas, and thoughts for Harry and his team again, over at passionatepioneers.com. Well, Harry, this has been a very important, timely and needed conversation. And I appreciate you taking a pit stop today. To our mutual friend, Shepard, thank you so much for nominating Harry to be on our podcast. This has been a very, very important conversation. For now, Harry, thank you for spending time with us. We look forward to continuing to support your journey, but thank you again for being on our podcast today. Thank you for having me.